0: You're listening to the greyhill.com's insights podcast. I'm your host, Barry Robertson, and welcome to season two. Welcome to the insights podcast here on the Grey Hill. We are again turning our attention to to the fast-approaching Edinburgh Festival. Now, in the best possible taste, today's guest makes me think of the phrase as mad as a box of frogs. (laughs) With that said, we have with us the talented Huey Shepard Cross. Hi, Huey. I'm so delighted that you are here today to talk about your upcoming Fringe show, Out to Lunch.
1: Hi, Barry. Thanks for having me on. It's um, my first appearance on a podcast that I haven't um, ran myself, so it's a delight to be here. Hey, are you you okay? Yeah, yeah. We I mean I'm just in the middle of rehearsing the play, um, which is a very stressful process and um you're sort of filled with anxiety about the upcoming Edinburgh Fringe, but um yeah, I am glad to be working with some actors who've learnt the lines for, for once, which is um which is a pleasure.
0: It's always helpful, isn't it? Talking yeah. about the play. Um Tell us a little bit about the actual storyline of the play.
1: So the play takes on a a fictional um, food critic called Marcus Tuckwell, who um, people can make up their mind as to which real-life food critics they might be inspired by. But um, it sees him at the bottom of his career. He's at rock bottom. He's just been to the Food Critic Awards and everyone's ignored him. Um, he's been so ignored that he even showed up on the In Memoriam um, at the end of the ceremony. And he goes to his agent and they concoct this plan that he needs to write the nastiest uh, the nastiest restaurant review of all time to save his career. Um, and the play goes from there. I won't spoil too much of it, but he gets embroiled in a kind of, sort of revenge plot with a chef called Jezza um and yeah there's there's songs um a lot of jokes um and there's a sort of very dark dark sort of core plot to the play that's what i love about your work is although it's set to make people laugh it's actually dealing with some serious topics the title of the play out to lunch is a bit of a play on the phrase out to lunch which as well as meaning just going out to lunch it means sort of away with the fairies or sort of mad and uh, this this critic, Marcus Tuckwell, is sort of overwhelmed with serious sort of mental health struggles. The play deals with quite a lot of themes of suicide, sort of depression, and the the flip side of this hedonistic lifestyle. And I don't know. I I I feel like I've I just challenged myself as a writer to try and deal with. These heavy topics while still maintaining the humor, but not treating them so flippantly um, so we'll see maybe people will um understand or maybe people will walk out but i i I think um I've tried to give them uh, enough kind of reverence.
0: I think it's really important to kind of make those types of shows to allow people to have that experience and to experience what it's like for character isn't that what theatre's about though?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of the plays I've been reading in preparation for this deal with extremely, especially in this of early, early noughties, deal with extremely shocking themes, like just horrific stuff happening on stage. So, I mean, compared to some of that, this is pretty lighthearted, to be honest. And reflecting the impact
0: of what we can have in other people's lives. And again, you're taking theatre and making it a force for change. Can I ask? On your Twitter, there's a post about a theatre critic called Rory Ford, who's given you a second chance interview. It's really funny to read, and I love the bit where you're shouting a life hack, life hack over <laughs> getting free birthday cake. But how much is that
1: really based in reality? Um, so yeah, I basically mocked that review up because um, I thought it was, I thought it was clearly a joke. I wrote this sort of mock, mock New York article as if it was written by Rory Ford. Um and I posted it on my Facebook, thinking everyone would think that's ridiculous. Of course, like, of course, Hugh hasn't been interviewed by the New Yorker, and why would the Scottish Reviewer Rory Ford be writing for the New Yorker? And then a remarkable amount of people sort of believed it. I think they hadn't read the article because the article is just ridiculous. But um, it's I I just think I thought it was quite funny because you see all this press about the. Um Edinburgh Fringe where you're where people are just being so self aggrandizing. But I thought it was quite funny to just publish an ask about myself, which just painted me as like a horrible like um just a horrible guy to hang out with. Um and I I'd done it at the previous plays, I've written some fake press articles just describing me and the other writer Nathan Brown as just like absolute hooligans. Um so yeah, that's that's where that came from. But, but I mean, the, the thing is that Rory Ford did write a review of my previous play, Goons, in 2018 and gave it a two-star. So it's quite it's all quite relevant to the theme of reviews that the play discusses because in the same way that Marcus Tuckwell's a restaurant critic who this chef is trying to impress, I'm a playwright who's trying to impress the reviewers who've damned me in the past. I don't think it is a bad review because I think there's genius to be
0: able to portray such character and i think rory ford was you know it's that tongue-in-cheek but there's a danger that perhaps other people won't get that and it could have a very negative impact personally or never mind your career wise what was that impact like after it went out there
1: well it was really weird because i got that with that friend run i got that bad review but this at the same time i was getting the most people who'd ever come and see my show was coming in at the same time so I got nicknamed amongst the cast Adam Sandler because I, I was critically disgraced critically panned but we were actually getting quite a lot of commercial success um so I don't know it was weird it, it kind of made me think that maybe these reviews don't matter at all I mean when I when I first saw the review I was in complete shock because I never had a I didn't one review before which was positive and then I got this and it was kind of like I I was like nineteen or twenty and had just been walking around thinking I was like a genius and just to have someone so like I'd never had someone so openly tell me they didn't like what I did and to have that in a national newspaper is it, it was quite shocking, but it it definitely it definitely um was a good learning curve and well, I've learned a to not really care what reviewers think, but b to try and write better plays. So maybe I do care what they think.
0: You can't please them all. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. And even if you did try to do it, you would drag yourself crazy just trying to please everyone. This isn't your first Adam Preferential, show, is it?
1: No, I've done. I've done three actually. I did. So I did the uh 2017, 2018, 2019, and then I was going to do one in the pandemic. Well, in 2020, but then the pandemic came. So yeah, I've I've basically been doing them ever since ever since I left school. And I mean they've all gone relatively well, but have never never had like a proper sort of breakout success. So What is it about the fringe that makes you want to
0: come back and, and keep trying new material? Why the fringe and Edinburgh? I
1: think there's something the thing about the fringe is that there's no other place in the world I've been to where you just have this massive sort of audience members just walking around the street so you can just put into your shows like I've actually been working this year promoting comedy shows and you find in any other city it's just impossible to like fill shows with unknown comedians because you don't have people wandering about who just looking to see stuff but at the Edinburgh Fringe it's just absolutely like filled with people it's the perfect like marketplace and it's also just like tremendous amount of fun to go to and like you can just see some of the best all of the best comedians in the world really just in like a small room where they're not taking themselves too seriously and yeah I I and it's just a beautiful city as well obviously there's sort of downsides to it, but I think it's worth all the sort of all the rubbish you gotta put up with to get there. This year's play, what influenced you to create a play with songs? So it wasn't necessarily a decision I made, it was, I basically, the first two plays I wrote, they were sort of straight up um, plays, and then I met this guy called Nathan Brown, who, I met him because we were at uni together, and he performed a, like, a very funny song in this show, and two people were like, you should get together because you're both, you're both sort of comedy writers, and we've just collaborated on our last three plays, um, and it's quite funny because, like, the songs don't necessarily fit the... The writing—it's quite an odd combination, but I think that will be interesting. And it's quite the last show we did at the Fringe. A lot of people's reaction when they walked out there, like, "I liked the songs, but I wasn't sure about the talking in between." <laughs> and then, and then the play after that we did, it was more like, "Oh, we love the writing, but like, um, like why are there these random songs in there?" So it's like. I think at some point we're gonna to have to part ways and write our own write our own things but he's it's basically, it's basically just one of my best friends and we, it just works quite
0: well at the moment talking about working together as friends can you tell us a little bit about the process of you working together what kind of comes first is it the songs or is it your writing or do you go here's what i wrote and then yeah. he's like oh here's some songs and do you just
1: playing them together what's the process um, so the process for this one was very much, I just wrote the whole play as in start to finish without any songs. And then I just, I was like, I'm not something about this play isn't working for me at the moment. Like it feels like there's a missing piece. And then I gave him the script and was like, can you just put a song here, here, here and here. And then he just has like a a scene or a a plot point that he's got to get, get across in songs. And then like, I just like, um, sort of harass him for three months until he finished the songs because he was busy doing various other things and then, yeah, so I, I've all basically I've always written the, the, the structure and the plot first and then he's fit, fitted the songs in We'll be back
0: right after this message King of Scotland is an award-winning dark
1: comedy and a free
0: adaptation of go A Diary of a Madman Long-term unemployed James e. McMillan joins a government-funded retraining scheme called Up The Ladder King of Scotland is an outrageous Fringe first winning monologue and was in the Fringe Festival winning three stars as what the paper says is an amazing performance of real theatre. Get it now wherever you get your audiobooks and for more information visit our website thegreyhill.com Actually a horse and carriage they sent. They shut down the M8 motorway for the day be a major sacrifice for a modern, industrialised nation Luckily, Scotland isn't one Not that Scotland's a banana republic either Oh no! Because Scotland's a banana Crowds waving at me all along the route to Edinburgh Seemingly I couldn't see them Horse and carriage was fortified To prevent assassination attempts Turns out Edinburgh castles are actually quite a long way for Edinburgh Out in the middle of nowhere, somewhere Lovely people though, uninhibited,
1: and some very accomplished speakers of gibberish. A joy to listen to.
0: That was King of Scotland by Ian Heggie. For more audio theatre, visit our website, thegreyhill.com. And now, back to your podcast. I think it's brilliant how you've taken your comedy onto YouTube and making comedy that is usually in theatre accessible on the internet. And the one called uh, Worst Sketch Ever. Is all about opposite day, so perhaps it's really the best sketch ever. (laughs) And you've also got one called uh, Beat Depression Party, and I think that is another good example of what we're talking about before, where you're actually dealing with serious topics while making people laugh. What made you come up with this idea of focusing on those topics using comedy as the instrument to get that across? And then why YouTube? I suppose what I'm kind of Feeling here is a lot of comedians are getting slated for maybe poor choice of topics, but you're really taking those topics and making them accessible and funny. So what yeah. is it that you're doing there?
1: Um, well, I just before I answer, that, I like to that point about the worst sketch ever being maybe the best sketch ever. I genuinely hadn't thought about that, but it's an <laughs> interesting fan yeah. theory. But um. um yeah, I genuinely just thought it was very badly filmed. <laughs> I call I got the worst sketch ever. But um I dunno, I think that with the uh Beat Depression sketch, I was very much rather than trying to sort of mock or like throw shade on the on that topic, I was almost trying to make comedy for for people who'd been been through that and just to just to like give a bit of catharsis by laughing at it and i think yeah i think actually what's interesting is a lot of the reaction to that sketch from from people who never suffered from some sort of mental health problems they didn't really get the sketch because it was quite um it kind of it kind of portrayed an experience that only and it was only then people like a lot of people who had suffered from depression got in touch and be like oh yeah that really re- resonates with me And then others, yeah, they're just kind of like, well, I don't really understand. But I think I didn't really try to pick any particular topic. I just, we sort of decide what we found funny ourselves and then film it. And um, yeah, we're not particularly trying to make anything too heavy. We're just trying to make something funny.
0: I think things like that, it's really hard to perform and to support others because it isn't until you go through it and experience something like that that you realize that that's what you've got, and I think that any tool such as what you've created through those YouTube videos is a real way to start the conversation going, especially when it's getting harder and harder to talk about these things, especially if you're a guy, right
1: yeah yeah, completely um yeah, I think that yeah, being able to be able to express something like that through comedy is almost seems like one of the only ways you can do it as a man. Like, you often hear people sort of joking about how bad they feel, but they wouldn't, um, like, talking about it more earnestly feels more um, difficult. But, um, yeah, and I think linking that back to the play, I think this food critic is, he's completely sort of, like, everything he says is almost a joke because he's sort of defending himself from the, like, misery that he feels inside. And then at the end of the play, he kind of almost like breaks down and talks about it. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll be interested. I'm interested to see the reaction to the play. To be honest, because I don't know if people are gonna think it's sort of just funny or like, or if it's moving or if it's insensitive. But like, I, I'm obviously taking there's a bit of a risk some of the topics we're talking about. But we'll we'll see how it goes.
0: But I think plays like that and productions like that are perfect for the fringe because you've got a really open audience, something to test, whether it goes right or wrong, it really allows you to develop. But also, at the same time, it gives audiences something that they would never get anywhere else at Edinburgh Fringe Festival, do you know what I mean? You wouldn't get it in a traditional theatre venue, but you're allowed the space to create. And I think that's what's really special about your work is that you give audiences that experience
1: yeah, exactly. I think being able to put on a play that is, I mean, it's, it's weird. It's got four songs in it. It's not a musical because it's got four songs in it. It's, like mostly right, it's mostly speech. And, like, if you show it to a theatre producer, they'd be like, what the hell is this? Who am I going to sell this to? But you got I think you've got to put it on a, in a fringe venue, prove to someone that it works, and then... Or prove that it doesn't work and give up. But if you prove that it works, then maybe they'll take it on. But, um... I mean the last show I did Frog's Legs was completely insane like it had no plot it was it was the acting was terrible I mean I, I quite liked it but yeah it could have only worked in a fringe theatre.
0: I also noticed that in your video someone who's sure to be a fan favourite is Sam and he's set to be an Out to Lunch isn't he? Yeah
1: um he he's funny yeah he's uh He's playing this sort of the foolish chef uh called Jezza, who's just like a complete clown so he's yeah he's taking his sort of comic sensibilities and yeah and taking them to the stage so um, I've seen him in rehearsals and he's very funny so hopefully that will come across.
0: Can you tell us more of other uh, actors who are in out to lunch?
1: Yeah so uh we've got uh Emily Cans who is a uh, comedian slash actor who has been in various productions um various professional theater productions across the u k and is is sort of breaking it on the stand up scene at the moment and is an incredible singer so she's playing this uh sort of marcus Tuck was ruthless agent and then we've got um Fabian bevan who's just come out of Fontainebleau acting school in in france and um he's, yeah, he's a very talented actor, he's got that kind of, he's got that kind of sort of classical feel to him, like he could be delivering sort of Shakespeare monologues, um, um, but it it works very well when combined with this, with this sort of depressed food critic, um, and yes, it's just a three-person cast, sadly, I haven't managed to put myself in this year.
0: It sounds like a really, really brilliant show, and you also have a pre-fringe show for those who can't make it to Edinburgh. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, so um, next, well, I don't know when this is coming out. Sunday the twenty fourth of July in Islington at the Rosemary Branch Theatre, we've got um a preview. Um, it should be in pretty good nick by then, and we've sold quite a few tickets, so should have a a nice full house. Um. Yeah, just if if you can't make it up to Edinburgh if you live in, in the area in London um, it'd be great to see you there and I've got a few reviewers coming so it should be an exciting evening. And for those that can make it to Edinburgh tell us more where we can
0: get tickets and what venue you're in.
1: So we're in Bristow Square in the Underbelly in the Frisian at uh, 12.50 every day which is an appropriate sort of lunch lunchtime slot but you might want to make sure you you've got lunch book before or after uh, because you might get a bit hungry, but um we've got uh you can get tickets on the Edinburgh Fringe or Underbelly website or you can buy them from the box office in Bristol Square when you're up there. Um and we'll be there for the whole month from the third to the twenty ninth of August, apart from the fifteenth. And where can we follow you on social media? Um we're on instagram and twitter we're at lunchtime comedy and on facebook we're um yeah if you type in out to lunch on facebook it will come up hughie it's been lovely to talk to you and i wish you all
0: the best for edinburgh please don't be a stranger keep in touch And let me know how it goes on. I will honestly try and come along and see the show. Uh, Hopefully no more
1: rail strikes
0: and I'll be able to get across to Edinburgh. But, yeah, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, lovely
1: to meet you, Barry. I'll see you soon. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to another Insights Podcast. If you would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, then contact us via thegreyhill.com and clicking on the Contact Us banner at the bottom right-hand corner of the page and you too could be featured in one of our episodes.